Hello everyone, happy Wednesday. Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct. I hope y'all are having a good week, good day. Hopefully staying inside if you can, hopefully staying sane if you can. I know these times are very testing to everyone, but I hope y'all are hanging in there. I'm thinking about you guys and we will get through this together. So as you can tell by the title of today's episode, today we are talking about the Pamela Smart case. And while I myself briefly knew the overview of it before doing my research. I definitely did not know as much as we're going to be going through today. There have been multiple movies made off of this case, and it's been a very, very popular case in the media as well. Pamela Smart is a woman who was convicted of conspiracy to commit murder, witness tampering, and accomplice to first-degree murder for the murder of her husband, Greg Smart, in the year 1990. Regardless of her arrest, Pamela has still maintained her innocence after all these years. And I thought that this case was interesting for many reasons, but one of them being that we so often look into cases where men are the suspect and men are the murderers and the serial killers. And while statistics do show that is more likely the case, there still are women out there who are just as capable of committing horrific crimes as well, which is why I wanted to cover this case this week. And I'm really interested to hear your guys' opinions on it. So with that being said, let's just jump right on into it. So I feel like I always have to kind of give this a disclaimer before we get into this part of the episode because I want to talk a little bit about Pamela's upbringing. And now this isn't really because I feel like there should be any sympathy towards her, but more so because I always like to know how did we get here? What led this person to do the things that they did? What was their life path before all of this happened? So Pamela Smart was born on August 16th, 1967 to her parents, John and Linda Wojas in Coral Gables, Florida. Pamela is one of three kids. She has a sister as well as a brother. Linda, Pamela's mother, was a homemaker and she was described as a great mother. Whenever any of the kids ever needed anything, their mom was always there to be there for them. And while Pamela's mom stayed at home, her father was a pilot. So he was out traveling all the time, flying, but Pamela still had a great relationship with him regardless. And Pamela was described as a very happy-go-lucky, outgoing type of person. She was very popular. She had a lot of friends. And after living in Florida for a while with her family, Pamela and her family ended up packing up and moving to New Hampshire. Pamela spent a lot of her growing up years in New Hampshire. She went to high school in New Hampshire, but when it came time for college, Pamela decided that she actually wanted to go back to Florida, so she ended up enrolling in Florida State University. Something about Pamela is that she was described as an overachiever. She worked three jobs while she was in college and graduated a year early with a degree in communications, and her dream job was to be a television news reporter. Pamela worked for multiple different radio shows. She would be the DJ on them. She would play the songs and she got the name Maiden of Metal. And this was because she loved metal music and she would play it all the time on her radio shows. She loved that type of music. That was like her scene. So now let's talk about Pamela's love life because this was pretty non-existent in her life up until she met Greg Smart, who would become her husband. So Pamela, like I said, never really had more than one real relationship up until she met her 
her husband because she was so busy in college working three jobs and studying that she really never went out to socialize and she never had that part of the college experience. But that all changed when she met Greg Smart. So Greg Smart was born on September 4th, 1965 in Nashua, New Hampshire. So he was just about two years older than Pamela was. And Pamela and Greg actually met when Pamela was home for Christmas break in 1986. And the two of them met at a New Year's Eve party and they just completely hit it off right off the bat. One of the things they really were able to bond over and connected on was their similar taste in music. Greg also loved metal music. They liked the same bands and Greg even looked the part of a rocker. He had, you know, the stereotypical long shaggy hair. He had the rocker fashion sense. He fit the part really well and Pamela loved it. Pamela said she loved Greg's personality and how outgoing he was and that he was just a fun person to be around. And that's what I've noticed when doing my research on Greg is that people only had the nicest things to say about him. They said that he was super friendly and Pamela's family was also a huge fan of Greg. They loved the two of them together, thought it was a great fit. And shortly after the two of them ended up dating, Greg actually moved back to Florida with Pamela so the two of them could be closer to each other. So it was safe to say that you know, their relationship was heating up pretty quickly. And then on May 7th, 1989, when Pamela was 21 years old and Greg was 23, the two of them ended up getting married. Once they got married, the two of them ended up moving back to New Hampshire and they moved into a town called Derry, New Hampshire, and they moved into the Summerhood Condominiums. Pamela got a job as a media coordinator at the Winnicunit High School in New Hampshire. And this really did seem like the perfect job for her for the time being and where they were at in their lives. Pamela really saw it as a stepping stone to where her dream goal was. And while Pamela was doing that, Greg got into the insurance business with his father. He worked a lot of night shifts. He was going to people's homes and would try to sell them on different insurance plans. And once this happened, real life really started to set in. You know, they got married, they got the house, they got the real life jobs, and this reality hit Pamela pretty hard. Greg ended up cutting off his long hair. And while that might not seem like a huge deal to most people, that was actually a pretty big deal to Pamela. And this was this part, him cutting his hair, was very much played up in the movies that were based off of it, this case. And it wasn't necessarily the fact that he cut his hair, but it was more so symbolizing the fact that, you know, Pamela wasn't dating this guy who looked like a rock star rebel anymore. She was married to a man who worked in insurance. And while that wouldn't be a problem for most people, it was portrayed that that was definitely a problem for Pamela. And it was around this time that Pamela and Greg's marriage really hit a bump in the road. And Pamela has come forward and said that around this time, within the first year of their marriage, Greg confessed to Pamela that he had had an affair. Pamela said she was absolutely devastated and crushed when he told her this, and she kind of felt like it was something wrong with her, and it had a huge effect on her self-esteem. But a lot of people have questioned this affair because there really has never been any proof to prove that this happened or if it didn't happen. Pamela said that the night he had an affair, Greg had told her that he was going to be going out with a friend and grabbing a few drinks and that he stayed at his friend's house. And Pamela said what actually happened was he 
went out to get a couple drinks and he met another woman and he ended up staying with her at her house. And like I said, there is no proof on whether or not this did or did not happen. And a lot of people have their suspicions about it. However, this is what Pamela says happened. So let's talk about May 1st, 1990. So on this particular night, Pamela had a board meeting for the school that she worked at and Greg was at their house. At about 10 o'clock p.m. that night, Pamela got home from her board meeting when she walked in the door of her home and found Greg lying on the floor dead. Now, right when Pamela saw this, she started running out to the neighbors' houses and banging on their doors and telling them to call 911. And after doing that is when police did arrive on the scene. And when police walked into the home, they were able to see that Greg had been killed from a single gunshot wound to the back of the head. So he was basically killed execution style. And that was his cause of death. And right away when police started the investigation on Greg's murder, it was all one big question mark. No one understood why a guy who seemed to have everything going for him and his entire life ahead of him would fall victim to a murder. So let's talk about the crime scene, which was Greg and Pamela's home. Now, when police arrived on the scene and walked into the apartment the night of Greg's murder, they noticed that the house looked like it had been completely ransacked. You know, drawers had been opened, random items were lying on the floor, and it was just, it was random things. It was like CDs were thrown all across the floor, pillowcases had been ripped open, and the fluff or the stuffing, I don't even know what's inside pillowcases, but whatever is inside of them was just thrown recklessly everywhere and they lived in a two-story home so the upstairs and the downstairs was the same thing both were completely ransacked and just looked like there had been a robbery but there were two things that were left that really stood out to authorities and the two things that were left behind were greg's wallet as well as his gold wedding band now you would think if you're going in to rob someone you want to take the most valuable things why not take the wallet and the gold wedding band it just didn't really make sense to authorities why those two items would be left. There was also no sign of a forced entry into the home. And, you know, they didn't live in a bad neighborhood. They didn't live in a bad part of town. They lived in an area with a pretty low crime rate. And police even came forward after Greg's murder and said that it was incredibly unusual for a robbery to include a firearm in the town that they lived in. It rarely ever happened. So because of all of those factors, this case did get a decent amount of media coverage. And Pamela wasn't necessarily hiding from that either. Six days after Greg's murder, Pamela went out and did her first TV interview with a local television station. Pamela said that the reason she did the TV interview is because she wanted people to know who Greg really was, what type of person he was. And for this TV interview, Pamela had perfect hair and makeup. She had a nice outfit on. She had her dog sitting with her. She really did play it up for the camera. And there's two ways that people have looked at this TV interview. Some people take it as Pamela was asking the public to bring in any information that they had about Greg's murder, and other people took it as, why in the world are you going on TV six days after your husband was murdered in perfect hair and makeup to talk about him as a person? Pamela defended doing this by saying that she was being pressured to do the interview because the journalist told her that he was going to run a story that he had heard about Greg having a gambling problem and owing people money, and that's what led to his murder 
martyrs. So that's the story that they were going to run. And Pamela said that she felt the need to defend Greg. Now, the journalist says it's entirely false and that he never pressured Pamela into talking about anything. So I'm interested to see where you guys lie on that spectrum. So about six weeks after Greg's murder, it was June 10th, 1990. And there was a man who walked into the police station and he walked in holding a gun. Now, when he walked into the police station with this gun, he went up to one of the officers at the station and told them, this is my gun. And I think it was used in the Greg Smart murder case. Now, weirdly enough, this wasn't the Derry police station, which is where Greg and Pamela lived. This was the Seabrook police station, which is about 40 miles away from the Derry police department. According to this man, he said that he hadn't used his gun in a while and was going to retrieve it for whatever reason. And when he saw it, he noticed that the gun had looked recently clean. And that was bizarre to him because he knew he hadn't cleaned it. Not only that, this man's teenage son's friend, this friend's name is Ralph Welch. Ralph had told this man's son that the gun may have been used to murder Greg Smart. So this was a complete bombshell in this case because up until this point, police were going in circles trying to figure out what in the world happened to Greg Smart. And now they have this man who's saying, you know, this is my gun and I think it was used in this murder case. So the next thing authorities did is they obviously took the gun from the man and took the bullets inside of the gun to see if they were a match to the ones that were found in Greg Smart's head. And it was a perfect match. Police had the murder weapon, which again was a huge breaking point in this case. So that same day on June 10th, 1990, police decided that they want to talk to Ralph Welch. So they brought him into the station for some questions and Ralph held nothing back. Ralph Welch told police that he knew who killed Greg Smart. He said three teenage boys were responsible for Greg's murder. Those boys' names are Billy Flynn, Patrick Randall, and Vance Latimer Jr. These were three high school boys and each one of them had a job that night. According to Ralph, he said that Vance waited in the car while Billy and Patrick broke into the house and attacked Greg. He said that Greg did try to escape and make a run for it, but both of the boys held him back and Patrick held Greg's head while Billy shot him. Ralph said that they made a mess in the house to make it look like there was a burglary. So now the police had this alleged play-by-play -play of what had happened the night of Greg's murder, they were curious about a motive. What made these three high schoolers target Greg Smart and murder him? It made absolutely no sense until they started looking into it a little bit more. Ralph Welch informed authorities that the three boys had told him that Pamela Smart said that she would pay each boy $500 to murder her husband, Greg. So this was the bombshell in this case. Everyone was absolutely shocked that Pamela was being brought into this, but police needed to do some more investigating and they began to uncover some pretty bizarre behavior from Pamela. So six days after Greg's murder, when Pamela did her TV interview, she said some interesting things on that interview. One of the things that she said is that Greg's murder, quote, couldn't have happened at a better time end quote, which is a 
really, really strange thing to say about your husband's murder, but Pamela backed it up by saying that she meant it in the way that it was good that they had only been married for less than a year instead of them being married for 20 years and for Pamela to have loved him so much more at that point. And you can let me know what you think about that. Authorities had also come forward and said that on that same TV interview, Pamela had said some information about the state of the home, the state of her home. But according to authorities, they say that some of the details that Pamela mentioned and she wouldn't be able to know unless she had something to do with it. And they say this because they say right when they got there, because where Greg was murdered was a crime scene, they blocked off her home and she was not allowed in it. Now, the flip side of this could be, you know, she had some time before police got there. So if she went inside the house and looked for things herself or checked to see if certain items were missing, then she would have had the time before authorities had gotten there to do that. And that's how she could know some of the details that she's talking about. But obviously, just the things that I just said to you, that does not convict Pamela of murder. Absolutely not. So police needed more information. And that is when they found the missing piece to this puzzle. So Billy Patrick Patrick and Vance, the three boys who were responsible for the murder of Greg Smart, were all high school students. But they weren't just any high school students. They were high school students who were attending the same high school that Pamela Smart worked at. And there was one boy in particular that Pamela was very connected to, and that was Billy Flynn. And remember, Billy was the one who actually pulled the trigger. So Billy and Pamela met at this program that Pamela had started at the school, and this program was called Project Esteem. And basically, the whole premise of it was kids who were going through any struggles, whether that was, you know, drug-related or home-related or whatever it was, they would come to this group and kind of build up their self-esteem together. And Billy was a part of this group, and Pamela was the one who ran the group. So this puts Billy and Pamela in the same room together and makes them have a lot of time to get to know one another. So then we have someone else who gets thrown into this mix, and that would be a girl named Cecilia Pierce. Cecilia Pierce was also a student at the same high school that all of the boys went to and was also a part of the self-esteem project. And Cecilia was brought into this when an anonymous tip came in when someone called the police department telling them that Pamela had orchestrated Greg's murder and there is someone who knows all about it and that someone is Cecilia Pierce. Cecilia was an intern for Pamela and Cecilia said that her and Pamela were extremely close and she looked up to her like a big sister. Police questioned Cecilia and that's when she came clean about the affair that Billy and Pamela were having. She said that Pamela told Cecilia that she was in love with Billy, and Cecilia also walked in on Pamela and Billy having sex. So now police have Pamela, who is having an affair with Billy, and Billy is the one who murdered Greg Smart, Pamela's husband. So the circle is being completed here. And when Cecilia was questioned by police, she also told them that she had overheard the conversations that Billy and Pamela had been having leading up to Greg's murder, and told police that Pamela was the mastermind behind the whole thing and she was the one who planned it, told Billy what to do, and had him do it and threatened that if he didn't, the two of them were not going to be able to be together anymore. Okay, we're going to take a short break, but we will be right back with more of the Killer Instinct podcast. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? 
Well, Apartments.com's Instant Alert feature works exactly that way. Instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day, simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let Apartments.com do the rest. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, Apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one. With more rental listings than anywhere else, Apartments Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. All right, you guys, welcome back. Now, I'm not sure if I mentioned this prior, but all three of these boys were 16 years old. That's why I'm calling them boys, because they were 16. And while at 16 years old, you certainly do know right from wrong, you also are very heavily persuaded in certain ways. But at the same time, when it's something as big as murder, we're going to get into all of that later. But I just wanted to bring up that fact so you guys have a clear picture of the type of person that we're talking about. So once Cecilia told the authorities all of this information, they then had her help them get a little bit more information. They wanted as much information as they could get on this, and authorities actually wired Cecilia and had her go into Pamela's office at school to see if she could get any information out of her. That way, they would have an audio recording of it. So, Cecilia walks in to Pamela's office and starts having a conversation with her, basically saying that she had been called in by police to answer questions and told Pamela that the police really think that she had something to do with this and that she was the mastermind behind all of this. And this is when Pamela doesn't deny it, but she actually tells Cecilia that she needs to lie to authorities because if she tells the truth, she will be arrested for accessory to murder. And if she tells the truth, not only will she be sending all of the boys to jail, she will also be sending Pamela to jail for the rest of her life. So that conversation was extremely telling because it's not Pamela sitting there being like, you know, I didn't do it. Why would they think that? I can't believe they think that. Like, I would never ever do that. She's actually telling Cecilia to lie to the authorities. That way she can save herself, Pamela, and the boys. So even though this tape wasn't Pamela saying, I made the boys kill my husband, the wiretape was enough for police to arrest Pamela Smart on August 1st, 1990 for the murder of Greg Smart. All three boys, Vance, Billy, and Patrick were also arrested. And I do want to say that there was one more boy arrested in this and his name is Raymond Fowler. And the reason I'm waiting until now to bring him up is a couple reasons. One being that he has very minimal significance significance in the research portion that's done on this case. His name is barely ever mentioned, and that was because, according to all the rest of the boys, Raymond wasn't aware that they were actually going to murder Greg Smart. He wasn't really aware that the murder was going to happen. He wasn't in on any of it. It was kind of like a wrong place at the wrong time type of situation, but because he was there and he was in the car, he was arrested as well. But when it came to Pamela's arrest, everything was based off of circumstantial evidence, and along with that, none of the boys were talking. They kept their mouths shut. And the reason they did that is because they thought that because they were teenagers, they would be released by the time they were 18. So they were 16 years old thinking that they were going to be released by the time they were 18. But that was until the prosecutors told all three of them that they were going to be tried as adults instead of juveniles, and they could be looking at a lifetime 
prison sentence. And once the boys were told this, they all pleaded guilty with hopes that their sentence would be lighter and with the hopes that they would be able to get out of prison one day. And then they started talking. According to Vance, who was the one that was in the car, Vance told police that Billy had told him that Pamela and Greg couldn't get a divorce because Pamela would be left with nothing and that Greg was very abusive towards Pamela and that Billy and Pamela would never be able to be together with Greg being alive. Vance said that one day him and Billy walked into Pamela's office at school and she was on the phone with Greg in a screaming fighting argument and Pamela put the call on speaker and when they hung up the phone she looked at Billy and said now you see why I have to have it done. Billy also said that Pamela talked about her plan to murder Greg every single day. So things at this point are not looking good for Pamela. And this is when we get to the trial, the trial that was going to prove if Pamela was either innocent or guilty, whether the boys were trying to protect themselves by saying that Pamela put them up to this, or if she really was the master manipulator that everyone was making her out to be. And at this point, Pamela's case was nationwide news and the media coverage on it was absolutely insane. There were loads of people standing inside and outside of the courthouse every single day waiting to see what was going to happen. And so all three of the boys actually testified against Pamela. And the first boy to take the stand was Patrick. Now, according to Patrick, he said that on the day of Greg's murder, Pamela had told him that she was going to leave the back doors unlocked and that the boys could ransack the apartment and take anything that they wanted from it. She said to make it look like it's a robbery and you can take anything that you want. And her only non-negotiable is that the boys didn't hurt their dog. She told the boys to wait at the house until Greg got home that night and not to get any blood on the couch. You guys should really, I really recommend if you're interested in this case, you know, you look up the trial footage and you listen to all three of the boys say their statements on this trial because each one is just, it's insane. You know, Patrick was really criticized in the media because he had no emotion whatsoever. He was just stone cold up on the stand and a lot of people were in complete awe of that because he was 16 years old. He had just done this horrific thing and he had no emotion. So Patrick said that him and Billy waited in inside of Greg and Pamela's home and when Greg arrived, Bill grabbed him and that is when Greg started screaming and trying to run out of the house. Greg then begged both of the boys not to hurt their dog. Patrick said that he told Greg to give him his wedding band because this would kind of help make it look more like it was a robbery, but Greg refused to do so and he told the boys that he couldn't take his wedding band off and give it to them because his wife would kill him. And the irony of that is just insane and it's heartbreaking. Like literally when I read that, I was just like, oh, like it breaks your heart when you read things like that. So the second boy to take the stand was Vance. Now, according to Vance, he said that Pamela had asked the boys before the murder had happened how she should react when she walked in after Greg was murdered and would find him laying on the floor dead. She asked the boys if she was supposed to run house to house. Was she supposed to just call the police? How was it supposed to happen? So then you had Billy's turn to take the stand and this was really the one that everyone was counting on and the one that everyone was waiting for. Everyone was waiting for Billy to take the stand because Billy is the one that was having the affair with Pamela. 
the two of them were having this affair and now Pamela's husband is dead. Everyone was waiting to see, you know, what he was going to say. And when Billy took the stand, you know, he talked about his relationship with Pamela and how it got romantic. He said, you know, that Pamela had told him that the only way that the two of them were going to be able to be together is if they killed Greg. He played out the night of the murder and how he was the one who shot Greg. And out of all of the boys, he was the most emotional when he was on the stand. He was visibly upset. He was crying. He kept pulling on his collar to loosen his collar a little bit. And it was weird watching it because on one hand, you feel bad for him because you feel like he's been manipulated by this person who has just twisted his mind into thinking that this is what had to have been done. Then on the other hand, you kind of think like, okay, well, you know, you were 16, you knew right from wrong, and you shot this woman's husband because she told you to. It's a weird, weird twist of emotions that kind of goes on when you watch it. So I, again, encourage you guys to watch it. Let me know what you think about it. Pamela, for one, said that when she was sitting there looking at Billy take the stand, watching him cry, watching him getting upset, and watching the jury really, in her opinion, she said that they really fell for it. The jury was eating it up, and she said that she just wanted to stand up and scream because she felt like it was a guilt trip for people to feel bad for him and that it was working. So then you have day nine of this trial and on day nine of the trial, it was the defense's turn to make their case and Pamela actually took the stand to be cross-examined and she talked about her affair with Billy. She talked about her relationship with Greg and one thing that a lot of people had a problem with is the fact that she wasn't emotional. She wasn't crying. She wasn't upset. She was very, you know, stone cold, you know, no emotion on the face. You know, Billy was a lot more upset than she was and a lot of people took that as her being an ice queen and her being, you know, emotionless and, oh, she had to have something to do with it because she's not upset or she's not emotional. And, you know, Pamela defends herself in this by saying, you know, if I was a guy and I was up there and I wasn't crying, you wouldn't be saying, why isn't she emotional or why isn't he emotional or why isn't he crying? But I, I don't know. I feel like sometimes we do say that. And when it comes to trials and, you know, the emotion that someone else has when talking about the murder of their spouse, I feel like a lot of times we look at the emotion, we look at the body language. We look at how someone's acting and maybe we are a little bit more expecting of women to cry and to break down, but I do think that we look at both sides. So as far as the defense goes, the defense was painting the picture that Pamela and Billy had this affair together. Pamela broke up with Billy and Billy got mad and decided to kill Greg in revenge and in spite of Pamela. But when Pamela was cross-examined by the prosecution, they absolutely ripped her apart. And a lot of people said that Pamela taking the witness stand was a huge mistake on her part because it just gave the prosecution, you know, free reign to just kind of destroy her. And that's really what happened. But according to Pamela's defense team and Pamela herself, she said that the reason she took the stand is because she wanted people to have a more inside look as to who she was as a person. She wanted to be able to explain herself. She wanted to tell her side of the story in hopes that people would believe her and what she's saying. But it really did not work out that way. So after the trial, the verdict came back. And when the verdict came back, the jury decided that Pamela Smart was guilty of conspiracy to commit murder, 
witness tampering, and accomplice to first-degree murder. Pamela was sentenced literally minutes after her verdict was given. It wasn't like, okay, you're sentenced, we're gonna, or you're charged with this, we're gonna give you a sentencing date. She was sentenced minutes after her verdict was given, and she was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. As far as the boys go, Billy and Patrick both received 25 years in prison, Vance received 15 years in prison, and Raymond received 12 years in prison. They have all been released since their arrest and are on parole. So here's the thing. This case is technically solved. Pamela Smart will be in jail for the rest of her life without the possibility of parole over this, but there's still plenty of people out there who think that she is innocent. There are people out there who think that she got an unfair trial because she's a woman, and we're not talking today's day and age. We're talking back in the 90s when this happened. Some people think that she was kind of doomed from the beginning, basically, and that she was going to be found guilty no matter what, and I want to know where you guys lie on that spectrum because here's the thing. This is not a case where you know, Pamela pulled the trigger. But if you're looking at it from the side that Pamela is guilty, she might as well have. And a lot of people have said, you know, she's done her time and the boys have done their time and have been released, so she should be released as well. There's multiple female murderers out there who've actually been the one to kill their victims, like to physically kill their victims, and they haven't had as much time in prison as Pamela Smart has. So I'm really interested to see where you guys lie on this whole thing. Personally, I believe that Pamela Smart is guilty of this. I believe that she was the mastermind behind all of this and set this up and manipulated Billy into killing Greg and giving him hope that the two of them would be together. I don't think that, let's say, you know, Billy and Pamela got away with this forever and no, they were never caught and all of this was never uncovered. I don't believe that they would be together. I think that this was a manipulation tactic that Pamela used in the heat of the moment and she might have been in lust and she might have even been in love, but I don't think that she was doing it for the reason to be with Billy forever. So let me know all your thoughts. I want to hear them. Every single one. Email me at killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com and we'll go over your all's theories next week. And with that being said, you guys, that is all for me today. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. If you're new here, hi, my name's Savannah. I'm your host of Killer Instinct. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode. We post weekly here every single Wednesday and you are not going to want to miss it. I'll be back next week for a brand new episode. And until then, stay safe, stay sane, and stay inside you guys if you can. I will see you next week.